0: Merry Christmas everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Orchard Hill Church Online. It is a joy and a privilege to have you joining us from the safety, from the comfort, hopefully the coziness of your home wherever you are. We pray that you are um, filled with joy this holiday season and we are just delighted that you took the time to tune in and join us today to celebrate Christmas Eve, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Hey, my name is Tim Walston, and I'm on staff here at Orchard, and we are just so pumped to have this time together. Um, just a couple things that we want to let you know about. If you're interested in learning more about Orchard Church, our mission, our strategies, our values, kind of who we are and what we're about, a great way to find that information is to text us. Text CENTRAL to 319-553-6690, and that is the best way for you to get connected and plugged in to find information about Orchard as a whole. And also, that. That's a really good way to get plugged in online to be a part of our offering. We really appreciate the generosity of our church body that is invested in supporting us in the day-to-day, weekly, monthly, yearly ministries that God is doing in and through His people through Orchard. And so one of the best and easiest ways to give online is to go to orchardlechurch.org and use the Push Pay app to set up that giving. Thank you for your continued support. Hey, a couple things before we launch into our experience for the next hour or so. Um, We wanted to let you know that we have regular Sunday services that are available online to you every Sunday at 915 and 1045 from the comfort of your home. We invite you to come back and join us uh, December 26th and then January 2nd, as we launch into a new 2022 teaching series all about emotions, and family, which I bet you're experiencing a lot of those during this holiday Christmas season. And number two, we wanted to let you know that during this uh, service today, that we're gonna do some candle lighting in person. And even though we're doing that online, we hope that you'll take advantage of maybe some candles, something around your house, that you'll be able to light those candles with us. Even though we're not in the same room together, uh, maybe you were gathered with some friends or some relatives or family. We invite you guys, light those candles together as we sing those Christmas songs to close out the service together. Well, hey, once again, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. What an amazing time of the year. We pray that the hope and peace and joy of the newborn King Jesus Christ resides in your heart this year and forever.
1: Hark the herald angels sing See you.
2: invite you now to listen to the story of the birth of Jesus as told in the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son are to call him Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. So Joseph good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying,
3: Oh, e
4: Christmas friends, I want you to imagine a powerful king who loved a humble maiden. And this maiden had no royal bloodline, no education, no status, no money, no privilege, no power. She dressed in rags. She lived in a shack. She was a peasant. And for some reason, the king fell in love with this poor, ragged girl. And why he fell in love with her was beyond everybody's comprehension, but his love for her was relentless. So he decided to pursue her, to win her heart. And then he had this terrifying thought, How was he going to reveal his love to this peasant girl without overwhelming her, without terrifying her, without causing her to wonder about his motives and make her think, how could this king love me? How was he ever going to bridge the gap that separated them? His advisor said, just go command her to be your queen. Go get her. You have all the power. Everyone fears you. Everyone obeys you. If you just go get her, she would have no power to resist. She would live in your debt forever. But the king knew that of all the things his power could do, it could never command someone to love him. He could bring her to the palace. He could make her become his bride, but he could never force her to love him. He could command her obedience and submission, but what he really wanted was for her to love him with all her heart. And he knew that all the power in the world could never make that happen. The king couldn't rest until he found a solution. And one day, he realized that there was only one way to win her love for real. And so he removed his crown, and he laid down his scepter, and he took off his royal robes And he walked off the throne and he left the palace. And he dressed in rags and he begged for food and he slept on the streets and he fully became a peasant. All rights, all privileges, all power, all status, all his possessions gone, given up for his one hope that he could win the love of the peasant girl that he loved with his whole heart. He became as ragged and as poor as the one that he loved so that she would realize how much he truly loved her. He gave up everything... In the hope, all he had was hope that she would recognize the depth of his love and that she would then love him back with all her heart. This was the only way. A man named Soren Kierkegaard, who was a Danish philosopher, wrote this little tale in order to try to answer the question, Why did God become flesh? Why did God stoop so low at Christmas time? Sure, he came so that sin could be forgiven once and for all. He came to open the doors to eternity. But I believe there is a truth that lies behind those two incredible truths that the God of the universe, the most holy, majestic, powerful being in all of creation, gave up the privilege of heaven and became a human being because most of all, He loves us. And He wants us to love Him back. Sorry, sad little peasants that we are we worship a humble king who willingly laid aside all of his heavenly glory for you and for me and for all of humanity and it is his love that drives his humility he would take our raggedness upon himself before he would give us up And the most powerful way that we can remember that truth is to remember that God did not send a subordinate to redeem us. Jesus is not some kind of junior partner in the Trinity, right? God chose to come here himself, but he had to do it in such a way that allowed fearful human beings like you and me to approach Him and to learn about Him and to try to understand Him without fear. I mean, who's scared of a little helpless baby? All right, some of us are, okay? But in general, who's scared of a little helpless baby? And so God came. As Jesus, And he wasn't born to a king and a queen, but he was born to a poor, teenage, peasant couple like Doug read about. He came not to a castle or a mansion, but into a simple barn. Some even say it was more like a cave. And I want to point out something else about how God came to us that night that I read in an Advent devotional. Throughout Scripture... All of the Bible, God the Son is called the King of Kings, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the bright and morning star, the Alpha, the Omega, the image of the invisible God. But in a culture where names were a really big deal because they meant something about a person's character, when God became flesh that first Christmas Eve... He took one of the most common, average, normal, humble names of his day. He took the name Jesus. Doug read about it. Matthew, in his gospel, the very end of him describing this Christmas story, says, and he Matthew's talking about Joseph, he gave him the name Jesus. This name was so common that if Jesus came to earth today, his name might be Bob. Just kidding. Uh, I just learned that the most popular boy's name of 2021 is either Liam or Noah. Now, had Jesus been named Noah, that would have created kind of a Bible confusion situation, right? But anyway, his name was Jesus, and that was such a common, ordinary name. And I know that seems irreverent to us for me to say that he could have been called Bob, but we have to understand what a common name this was. There would have been 20 other kids named Jesus in his first grade class. He could have called himself the right reverend, holiness, angelic divinity, the fourth. But no, God chose an average, humble name. His friends and followers rarely called him Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus. They just called him Jesus. And to many people, his humbleness was off putting. They were offended by it. But to those who needed him, Jesus was touchable. He was approachable. He was reachable. I mean, Jesus was God. But to many who needed him, he was just Jesus. So people came to him. They came at night. They touched Jesus as he walked down the street. They lowered their needy friends in through the roof of a house where Jesus was eating. They followed him around the sea. They invited him into their homes. They placed their children at his feet. Sure, people in positions of power mocked him. Others of them were envious of him, religious leaders plotted to kill him. But there was not one ordinary human being who was reluctant to approach Jesus for fear that he would reject them, for fear that he would humiliate them or make them feel like they weren't important enough for his attention, or that they were too dirty or too broken or too fallen or too sick for him. Broken people never feared Jesus. He was God. But to them, in their need, he was just Jesus. Jesus, can I touch your robe? Jesus, heal me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, my child is sick. Jesus, save me from my sins. Will you remember that? Will you remember that about Jesus the next time you find yourself amazed at your own failures? (laughs) The next time you feel fear in your soul that Jesus might reject you? Will you remember that God became flesh born to a peasant girl and her humble husband, born poor, born in a cave, born with very little fanfare except that fireworks display that only the dirty, despised shepherd saw, born into this world and given one of the most common, average names of his day. Will you remember this truth about God? That part of his glory is his humility, His willingness to stoop so low for us. Because when we realize this, when we realize what God has done and how humble God was that first Christmas Eve, it changes everything about how we relate to him and about how he wants to relate to us. Because what God wants more than anything is to be with us. And the incarnation, this idea that God became flesh, what we celebrate tonight and how it happened is one of the most powerful demonstrations of that truth. And oh, how much I need this reminder because I am so often disappointed in myself, especially during the holidays. Why is that? <laughs> I feel frustration at not being better at things, you know, like having good traditions for my family, or decorating, or creating festive meals. (laughs) For instance, a few years ago, I tried to make bananas flambe uh, in an effort to impress my family. And not only did many Orchard Hill Church members find me in the hard liquor aisle of Target trying to buy rum so that I could set my bananas on fire, Hello, hello, aren't you Alice from Orchard Hill? Nope, nope, that's someone else. Just me, just a random lady here buying five bottles of rum to set my bananas on fire, but the flaming bananas didn't work on the first light. So I ended up drowning the entire dessert and my entire family in too much rum. It was a very bad night. But I also get frustrated at my lack of gratitude for what I have. You know, at my own cold heart, at the miracle of life, or my inability to be gracious to those most dear to me. I'm saddened by my greed, and my short temper, and my sometimes weary desire to just get through the holiday season. I get frustrated at my anger at other human beings. Like the guy years ago who yelled at my teenage son, who was a volunteer bell ringer for the Salvation Army on the weekend prior to Thanksgiving, this guy yelled at my son because my son said to him, Happy Holidays. He yelled at my boy. And I'm sorry, but that's simply being mean and trying to blame it on Jesus. But why can't I rise above that? At this time of year, when I know I'm supposed to feel close to God, I end up feeling so far from Him, and so unworthy, and I often end up missing the joy all around me. And yet I'm starting to realize the truth of this statement. The address of God is at the end of your rope. Wrote a really smart man named Dallas Willard. The address of God is at the end of your rope. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, this night, we need to remember that because of his humility, Jesus is present with us in our darkest places. Jesus, the King, who loves us ragged peasants so much, always stoops to meet us in our most mundane, our most shameful, our most unlikely places in our lives, the places where we feel most alone. And so we don't have to hide from him, not from Jesus. We don't have to hide our failure or our flaws or our faults or our fallenness or our frailty. Not from Jesus. You see, we worship a Savior so humble that he gave up everything, all his glory, all his rights, all his privileges, To become a man with the most common name so that even in our shabbiness, we can celebrate what his birth means for us and means for the world with hearts overflowing with gratitude. And what his birth means is that God himself wants us to walk right up to him and trust that he is accessible to us and that He has what we need. There's a book in the Bible called the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews says this in the fourth chapter of this book. He says, for we do not have a high priest. And in this particular passage, he's talking about Jesus as a high priest. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Anybody here tonight needs somebody to sympathize with your weaknesses? You struggle with temptation? Or how many of us need mercy? Or grace? How many of us feel that we are in need this Christmas of something? I mean, maybe this is your first Christmas since the divorce, or your marriage is in a hard place. Or maybe this year there's a fresh, empty chair at your dinner table. Or money is tight, or your family's at odds, or there's a new cancer diagnosis that just is haunting you. Or you're a young person... And growing up is hard and confusing. Some of us have faced rejection this year, a job loss or job stress. Or, you know, maybe you just feel the sharp sadness of getting older. Or life just feels like a never-ending cycle of stuff to get done, and Christmas just feels like one more thing. The king of this world left his throne and became one of us because he loves you and your raggedy, needy self in ways you can't even imagine. So he is with you this year if you are struggling. And though this world may tilt toward the rich and the powerful, right, toward the beautiful and the successful, the way God came to earth tells us that he is tilted toward the underdog and so every time you hear the simple name Jesus will you remember the humility of the king will you remember that the driving force between the driving force behind God coming to earth is his relentless love for you And will you remember that you don't have to try to cover your shabbiness over to convince him to love you? And will you remember that no amount of religious effort is needed to be in relationship with him? His hand, his heart is always extended toward you. Always. So what about that king in the story I started with? Did the peasant girl ever return his love? I don't know. The story was intentionally left unfinished because the author wanted his readers or his listeners to be left with the question what about you? What about you? Will you accept and return the king's love? That question hangs in the winter air for all of us tonight. And no one else but us can answer that question. So this Christmas season and all throughout the year, when you hear the name Jesus, yeah, remember his humility. But also remember this, especially those of us who are struggling, and those of us who feel like we can't bear up under our burdens for one more day. Jesus is not just Jesus, but he is at the same time mighty to save, the great I am, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the one who holds all of creation and all of our future in his nail-pierced hands, that Jesus, the one who is both humble and strong, that Jesus will carry you through whatever it is you face. That king became a shabby peasant like me, and like you, because he would do and he still will do anything to win our broken, shabby, wounded hearts. My friend Katie is going to share a beautiful song for us now that fits perfectly with this message. And we hope and we pray that you'll consider it our gift, God's gift, really, to you.
5: So much brad and kate thank you alice so much for your message um if you're at home and you haven't got your candles yet i encourage you to do that now same thing those who are getting ready to light candles in the sanctuary in the commons i encourage you to move into position for that um i would encourage us in this moment um to just think about alice's words a little bit longer Uh, the almighty king the powerful alpha and omega stoop down to bring the light of the world and he wants to bring the light of the world to each of us, whatever that looks like. And instead of thinking about this almighty, all-powerful God, what if we spent a couple minutes and just as we see the light coming towards us thought, this is just Jesus. Like Jesus, my friend, Jesus, the humble one, who's coming to bring some light into my life. And as we receive it, we ask ourselves, where is it that I, I need some of this light in my life? And by receiving it, maybe, how might I share this light with others? And then as the light moves through the room, we can see the power as we receive it and share it with others, and what it looks like in God's plan to bring the light of the world to all of us. I encourage you to think about that as we share the light with each other.
1: carefully stand for this last song.
4: he loved us and to convince us to love him back not out of fear but because we saw the extent of his love for us and so on this precious night God the king became Jesus the baby born in a manger because of his desperate love for you and so I pray that you'll have an absolutely Merry Christmas. And for any of you who are struggling, just know that Jesus is just his name away. You'll hear your cry, you'll hear your prayer, and he'll be with you to carry you through. Have a great Christmas, everybody. Now, cup your hand, not like I do at home. You didn't even let me finish my instruction cup your hand and blow gently your candle out. That was not a sentence. Have a Merry Christmas. Bless you all.